Proper Remuneration for Ministers In this life, those engaged in the ministry should receive fitting remuneration for their labor. They give their entire time, thought, and effort to the service of the Master, and that it is not in the order of God that the wages paid them should be insufficient to supply the needs of their families. The minister who does a share according to his ability should receive his just due. The men who decide what each worker shall receive are to strive earnestly to meet the mind of God in their decisions. Some who have served on auditing committees have lacked in discrimination and judgment. At times the committee has been composed of men who had no real understanding of the situation of the workers and who have again and again brought real oppression and want into families by their wrong decisions. Their management has given occasion for the enemy to tempt and discourage the workers and in some cases has driven them from the field. Scrupulous care should be shown in settling the accounts of the laborers. Those who are chosen to act on the auditing committee should be men of clear perception, acquainted with the work they are handling. They should be able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Exodus 18.21 The minister should have a margin to work upon, for there are many calls made upon his financial resources. In his work he frequently finds people so poor they have little to eat and wear, and no proper sleeping accommodations. He must give succor to the very needy to supply their hunger and cover their nakedness. He is also expected to lead out in good enterprises, to help in building churches, and in advancing the cause of God in other lands. God's chosen missionary can have no settled abode, but must take his family from place to place, often from country to country. The character of his work makes this necessary, but this frequent moving places him under heavy expense. Then, too, in order to exert a good influence, his wife and children and he himself must set a fitting example of neat and becoming dress. Their personal appearance, their living quarters, their surroundings, all must tell in favor of the truth they advocate. They must always appear cheerful and fresh that they may bring sunshine to those who need help. They are often obliged to entertain their brethren, and while they find this a pleasure, it is also an additional expense. It is a terrible injustice for an auditing committee to disappoint a worthy minister who is in need of every cent that he has been led to expect. The Lord declares, I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. Isaiah 61, 8. He would have his people reveal a liberal spirit in all their dealings with their fellows. The principle underlying his command to ancient Israel Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn is a principle that should never be set aside by any who have to do with the remuneration of those who have given themselves to the advance of God's cause in the world and who spend their strength in lifting the minds of men from the contemplation of earthly things to the heavenly. 1 Corinthians 9.9 See Deuteronomy 25.4 God loves these workers and he would have men respect their rights. The eight-hour system finds no place in the program of the minister of God. He must hold himself in readiness for service at any hour. He must keep up his life and energy, for if he is dull and languid, he cannot exert a saving influence. If he occupies a position of responsibility, he must be prepared to attend board and council meetings, spending hours in brain and nerve-taxing labor, 
planning for the advancement of the cause. Work of this kind is a heavy tax on mind and body. The minister who has a due appreciation of service regards himself as God's minute man. When with Isaiah he hears the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? He responds, Here am I, send me. Isaiah 6, 8. He cannot say, I am my own. I will do what I please with my time. No one who has given his life to God's work as his minister lives for self. His work is to follow Christ, to be a willing agent and co-worker with the Master, receiving his spirit day by day and working as the Savior worked, neither feeling nor being discouraged. He is chosen of God as a faithful instrument to promote missionary work in all the lands, and he must ponder well the path he follows. Those who have never carried the burden of such work and who suppose that the Lord's chosen and faithful ministers have an easy time should bear in mind that sentinels for God are on duty constantly. Their labor is not measured by hours. When their accounts are audited, if selfish men with a voice or stroke of pen limit them unduly in their wages, a great wrong is done. Those who are bearing administrative burdens in connection with God's cause can afford to be fair and true. They can afford to deal on right principles. When in a time of financial stress it is thought that wages must be reduced, let a circular be published setting forth the true situation. Then, then let those employed by the conference be asked whether, under the circumstances, they could do with less for their support. All the arrangements made with those in God's service should be regarded as a sacred transaction between man and his fellow man. Men have no right to treat the workers as if they were inanimate objects with no voice or expression of their own. Subheading, The Minister's Wife The minister is paid for his work, and this is well. And if the Lord gives the wife as well as the husband the burden of labor, and she devotes her time and strength to visiting from family to family and opening the scriptures to them, although the hands of ordination have not been laid upon her, she is accomplishing a work that is in line of ministry. Then should her labors be counted as not? Injustice has sometimes been done to women who labor just as devotedly as their husbands and who are recognized by God as being necessary to the work of the ministry. The method of paying men laborers and not paying their wives who share their labors with them is a plan not according to the Lord's order, and if carried out in our conferences, is liable to discourage our sisters from qualifying themselves for the work they should engage in. God is a God of justice, and if the ministers receive a salary for their work, their wives, who devote themselves just as disinterestedly to the work, should be paid in addition to the wages their husbands receive even though they may not ask for this. Seventh-day Adventists are not in any way to belittle woman's work. If a woman puts her housework in the hands of a faithful, prudent helper and leaves her children in good care while she engages in the work, the conference should have wisdom to understand the justice of her receiving wages. The Lord has a work for women as well as men to do. They may accomplish a good work for God, if they will first learn in the school of Christ the precious, all-important lesson of meekness. They must not only bear the name of Christ, but possess a spirit. They must walk even as he walked, purifying their souls from everything that defiles. 
then they will be able to benefit others by presenting the all-sufficiency of Jesus. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 117.